The two words, Christian atheist, they don't seem to go together. They seem kind of opposite at first. But for this series, we're, uh, we're defining a Christian atheist as someone who believes in God, but lives as if he doesn't exist. Christian atheists are people who say, I believe in God, but I want to live my life my way. I want all of the, all of the benefits of Christianity, but none of the challenge. Last week we kicked off this series and the question was, or the statement was, I believe in God, but I will pursue happiness at any cost. No matter what anybody else says, no matter what anybody else believes, I'm going to live the way I want to live. And yeah, if you ask me on the street, I would say, yes, I'm a Christian, but I don't want it to affect the very fiber of who I am. We talked about how the Bible And how we view it really determines the way we live. People have a couple different ways of viewing this book. One, you can view it as, I'm going to choose the way I want to live, and then I'm going to read in this book, and I'm going to find ways that justify the way I live, and I'm going to use that to prove, hey, I live this way, and it's okay, because here's what the Bible says. So I approach the Bible willing to use it to justify my wants, needs, desires, and all those things. Or... I can approach the Bible with more of an open mind and say, God, what do you have to say to me through these words? And when I see my life is not lining up with what your word says, instead of changing it, I'm going to change my life. And the way a person lives is very different depending on how they view God's word and the wisdom it has to speak into our lives. We hand the Bibles out every week at LifePoint because we believe the words in there are true. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. The ushers will give you one. You can take it home, keep it for yourself, give it away, or if you just want to borrow it and follow along with the page numbers on the screen, you can do that and leave it in the back as you leave. We talked about how a Christian atheist uses this word a lot, but, and how we almost called this series Big Butts in the Church, but like the artwork just, you know, it didn't... You know, it would not have been appropriate to, to, to use that, and it would have totally offended a bunch of folks. So we didn't do that. We called it Christian atheist. And here's the big but of today. I believe in God, but I don't tell anyone. You know, tonight, how many are going to be watching the big game, big Super Bowl tonight, at a party or by yourself? Or, gosh, is this Americans? Are you Americans in here or What? How many of you watch the Super Bowl to laugh at the commercials? That's the most reason. Yeah. I mean, me, that's the biggest reason I watch. I want to see those commercials. Where advertisers pay $3.5 million for 30 seconds of advertising. And whether it's the homemade Doritos commercials that are always hilarious, or it's like last year, the little kid in the Darth Vader suit that thought he was starting a car, or Betty White getting tackled on the football field. All of those make us laugh, and the advertisers have one goal, to get people talking about their service or product, and if they can do that, they've won. If they can do that, the $3.5 million was worth every penny. See, talking and word of mouth is what marketers crave. How many TV ads have you seen for Facebook? Hey, get on Facebook. You ever seen one? You haven't. You know why? Why? Because word of mouth spread to where in 2004, there's 100,000 people on Facebook. Today, there's more people on Facebook than live in our country. 
all because of word of mouth. The Nielsen TV folks did a survey and they asked 26,000 marketing folks what advertising method they most trusted. And here's how it broke down. 18% said, we trust text ads on cell phones. 38% said ads before movies are helpful. 63% said newspapers. But 78% of all the advertising executives polled said, we trust recommendation from consumers. And the president of Nielsen's global managing firm said, advertisers around the world are able to reach consumers across an increasingly diverse range of media platforms. Even so, the recommendation of someone else remains the most trusted source of information when consumers decide which products and services to buy. So people are the best way to advertise. If you've ever been to a place like Starbucks, just go in Starbucks. They will do anything. They'll, go, they'll walk you out to your car, anything to make you happy. I drank all of my large drink, but about that much, just last week, and I dropped it on the way out. And they were like, oh, let's make you another one. Let's make you another one. And I was like, sure. You know, go ahead. That's fine. <laughs> so I, I figured it out. Get finished. Drop it at the door, and they'll give you a new drink because they want you to leave like, these are the greatest people in the world. If you don't like the pastry, if you're like, oh, that didn't taste right, well, pick another one and you can have it. They will bend over backwards to please you because they want you to go out and they want you to tell somebody else, hey, you got to go to this place because it was awesome and I had this wonderful experience. People talk about that which moves them. If you go to a movie that meant a lot to you and touched you or made you laugh or, or got you excited, you tell people about it. And those of us who have never been on an open ocean cruise, when those of you that do come back and treat us like infidels because we haven't done it yet, like, oh my gosh, you've got to go on a cruise, your, your life won't be complete. How can you live with yourself that you haven't spent $3,000 to ride on a boat for seven days? I don't get it. I mean, people that, like, when they really get into something, they tell other people about it. And marketers know if we can just get people sold on our stuff, we don't have to spend as much money on advertising. The Bible assumes that people who say they follow Christ are going to tell other people about it. It just assumes. If you've had this, this experience with Christ, God just assumes you're going to tell other people about it. Many of you sitting right here came because somebody asked you or somebody got a mailer that we mailed out. 200,000 of them, and, and you got that, and you told a friend, hey, I'll go if you go, and people show up, all on the recommendation of somebody else. Even though there's an assumption on God's part and on Scripture's part that we'll invite, each other, invite, invite others in on the journey, most people who wear the label Christian never speak a word of it to anyone else. I think there's a couple reasons for that. Mostly it's out of fear, just people being scared, like I don't know what I'm supposed to say, and if I say this and they say that, and sometimes it's just out of complacency. But people telling people is God's plan. That's how the church grew in the first century, and that's how it's going to grow today, people telling people. In Acts chapter 5, verse 42 the book of Acts is a history of the first century church and how it began and how it spread. And it says this, 
day after day in the temple courts and from house to house. They never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. So here's the plan. You have an experience with Christ, and for everybody that's different. Maybe you grew up and you just always knew who Jesus was. He was never a stranger in your house. Or you had this great big 180 conversion experience at some point in your life. Either way, you're a follower of Christ, and the plan is that you meet other people and you say, hey, let me tell you about my relationship with Christ. That's how the message was spread. That's how Jesus spread his message in the first century. He didn't have this marketing plan. He didn't do mass advertising. He let people know about his saving, accepting grace. And when they figured it out, they went out and told other people. And there's story after story in the New Testament of people who learned about the message of Christ and told others. In fact, most of the people that are referred to after the, after the ministry of Christ, even the people who wrote some of the books that were inspired by the Holy Spirit that ended up in the Bible, were told about Jesus by someone else. One of the apostles named Peter, or Simon, he's called both throughout Scripture, was a great leader in the first century church in Jerusalem. He influenced people. He was a man of courage, and he made a big difference in the church in the first century that we still feel the effects of today. He wrote two books, First and Second Peter, in the New Testament. He's the one Jesus said, I'm going to appoint you to go feed my sheep, to go be a pastor. But, Jesus, or, but Peter had a brother who followed Jesus first, and his name was Andrew. You may not have heard of Andrew as much as you have Peter, but listen what Andrew did after he found Christ. It says the first thing, this is the first thing after Andrew figured out Jesus is who he says he is, I accept him. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. So Peter got to know who Jesus was because of his brother Andrew saying, you got to come and see this guy, Jesus. He knew Jesus and he told someone else. Jesus called this other fisherman. These guys were all fishermen. He called, called this other fisherman named Philip. He said, come and follow me. And, and Philip determined that Jesus truly is the Messiah. And Philip became this big church leader as well. You can read about him in the book of Acts when it's talking about who, were, who was doing the teaching in the first century. And Philip was one of those people. And in John chapter 1, uh, verse 45, right after the story about Andrew and Simon, it says this, Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there, Nathaniel asked? Come and see, said Philip. People telling people. That's God's plan. So if I'm going to stay away from Christian atheism, if I'm going to start to let people know that, hey, I am a follower of Christ, and I would like for you to come and experience what I experience... I must be intentional. You, you have to be intentional about it if you're going to let people know that you are a follower of Christ. Both Philip and Andrew did the same thing. They went out and they 
found someone and they told them. Andrew found Simon. Philip found Nathaniel. That meant they were intentionally looking, thinking, someone else must know about what I found. And a Christian atheist says, I don't have the time to be looking for people. You know, it's not that hard, though. It's not that hard because you pass people every day who need to have what you have. You know those people in the hallway when you say, how's it going? And you really don't want to know how it's going because if they stop and tell you, it's like it totally messes up your whole day. How's it going in our culture just means, how's your day, but don't tell me. It makes me feel better to ask you how it's going, but please don't tell me how it's going. I don't really want to know. I just want to, that's a greeting. How's it going? I'll see you later. We don't want to know. But you pass people every day. If you got into a conversation, you would find out they have the same hang-ups, hurts, and needs and wants that you do. And I think the reason that we're not intentional, there are several reasons. We say no for them. We think, well, you know, that person, they wouldn't be interested. If I said, come and see, I, I just don't think they would be interested. Or, it would, oh gosh, I don't have one more thing to fit into my schedule. How am I going to do that? Or a fear of rejection. What if I say, hey, come to church with me, or let me tell you about my relationship with God. They're going to go, weirdo, stay away from them. They're one of those pushy Christians. Because there's two things that you're supposed to avoid, right? Religion and politics. Don't ever talk about religion and politics if you want to keep peace at the office or in your circle of friends. Just don't talk about it. And there's reason after reason people give for saying, I, I would be more intentional, but it's awkward, it's weird. What if they asked me a question? I don't know. What if, they, what if they said, hey, why did God harden Pharaoh's heart in the Old Testament? Why did God say wipe out whole villages? Why? What if they start asking you questions like that? And you're like, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Let me just talk to my pastor. Or what if they say, where does the Bible say this? And you're thinking, oh, my goodness, I don't know. I don't really hardly ever open my Bible. So that's a legitimate concern. If I'm saying go talk to people and you're like, I don't feel equipped to talk to people. Because people ask hard questions, and they should. Here's what Philip heard when he asked Nathaniel, hey, you got to come and see this Jesus who we have determined is the Messiah that we've been waiting on all of our lives, and prophets spoke about thousands of years prior. Well, you've got to come and see him. And Nathaniel responds in verse 46 of John chapter 1 and says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Now, Nazareth was just this small, dirty working class town that kind of like the armpit of the area it's like Nazareth can anything good come out of Nazareth a messiah from Nazareth are you kidding me you tell somebody hey why don't you let me come to church with me or you tell them about your faith and you may get some of that same kind of pushback and they might say so you're saying that going to church and finding this Jesus that you know is going to make a difference in my life you're saying that it's going to help me get connected to God. And you're saying that because I go to church, my marriage is going to be better. My kids are going to, I'm going to have a better relationship with my kids. And I'm going to develop deeper relationships. Yeah, right. I don't quite believe it. People could ask those questions and make those kind of comments and have that kind of pushback. But when you tell people, remember this, keep it simple. When you're telling someone, keep it simple. Here's the response to the question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Here's what, here's what Philip said, come and see. That's all you have to do, just come and see. 
When somebody says, is church really that good? Can you really get connected? You really hear a message that helps you through your week, that encourages you, that makes you laugh, that makes you think, that challenges you, that really happens. What about all the inconsistencies? The, the Bible just seems like a big fable. And you say three words, come and see. I don't know all those weird questions you're asking. I don't know the answer to all those questions you're asking, but come and see. Just, just come and experience it. Come and see. That's what both of these followers of Christ said. They didn't have all the answers. They didn't pretend to have all the answers, but they knew who did, and they just said, come and see. Peter wrote these words in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. When I first began to follow Christ, I would read this verse and I would feel scared because I thought, okay, I don't, I don't know if I can like prove the existence of God beyond the shadow of a doubt. And I don't know if I can take the scriptures and put that thread through all the scriptures of how it all leads up to Christ. And I don't know a lot of these scriptures that, that I hear people spouting off and I don't know where to find things in the Bible. I, I don't know what the, the gospels are, the synoptics are, the letters, the Pauline literature. I don't know all that stuff. So how, how could I possibly be ready? That's not what Peter is talking about. He's saying, you be ready to tell your story because your story is what's going to make a difference in somebody else's life. A Christian atheist says, I will come to church. Pastors, you invite. Staff, you do the work and you teach. There's a word that gets people a little scared when you start to say it in church, and that's called evangelism. And it used to scare me and turn me off because it sounds like televangelist, which is really a big, like, gag me, you know. Who wants to be that, a televangelist? What kind of reputation do they have? They're like the lowest. on. They're below, like, I'm not even going to say it. They're below other professions. They, the, people don't even, don't even give them any credit. So when you say evangelism, people start to think like that. The word evangelism simply means bring good news. Bring good news. So be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. How do you do that when you don't know, when you don't know all the answers? It's easy. I can tell you how to do it right now in about three minutes. If you're taking notes today, you need to take your notes out and you need to draw a line right down the middle of the page. Just draw a line down the middle of the page. This is how you can start to tell people about your story and give a reason for the hope that you have. If you're a follower of Christ, and on one side of that line, on the left side, write the word before. And on the right side, write the word after. And just write down some adjectives that describe your life before Christ and some adjectives that describe your life after Christ. Hopeless, hopeful, full of fear, fearless, whatever. Guilt, guilty, forgiven. Whatever those words are that describe what you were before, write them down. Whatever they were, write them down afterwards. And then you're starting to be able to say, hey, you know, there's a lot I don't know. But I know that before I met this person, Jesus, before I could call myself a follower of Christ, this is what my life was like, and now this is what my life is like. That's the good news. That's what we're supposed to tell people about. That's God's plan for getting his words out to the world. That's God's plan for filling all the seats in this auditorium. That's God's plan for churches to be full of people. That's God's plan to put a dent in the 88% of the people in Wake County that don't go to church. That's his plan. For you to be able to say, before Christ it was like this, after Christ it was like that, now come and see.
See, I know that you have the ability to share good news because I'm friends with several hundred of you on Facebook. And I see all the good news about your home remodels and all the great things your kids do and all the trips you take. And I share those things too because, hey, you're my friend, so I guess you might have some interest in knowing that. So I'll put it on there. And I figure we're friends, so, so I'll look at yours too. So you know how to share good news. It's not a question of, well, how do you share good news? Well, you do it all the time. Start to do it with the before and after life that you have because of Christ. It's simple. When Jesus came to earth, when Jesus began to call people into his ministry, he picked regular working class folk. He picked fishermen. And they were the simpletons of the day. And he went to them and he said, go tell other people. And this is what scholars tell us. In A.D. 100, they estimate there were about 25,000 Christians on earth. And by A.D. 310, there were 20 million. And that was before the Emperor Constantine, who forced everybody to be a Christian. It went up after that, obviously, but they were forced. 25,000 to 20 million in a little over 200 years. It grew like that because they got in on God's marketing plan And they told others. They were always looking for opportunities to tell other people, to let other people in on what they had found. They were always saying, hey, come and see. Come and see. When you say come and see, it makes a difference. Because people who don't believe in God find it unbelievable that people who do would not talk about it. You've probably heard of Penn and Teller. Penn of Penn and Teller is a devout atheist and self-proclaimed, but he had this interaction with the person who knew Jesus, and he told about it on his video blog, and we pulled it down for you so you could watch it. Take a look at this. This is an atheist. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we, uh, we talk to folks and you know sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the um, what I call the hover position after I was all done. Big guy, probably about my age. Big guy. And um, he had been the, um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. Uh, so he had the props from that in his hand because we'd give those away. He had the the joke book and the and the envelope and the paper and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, I, uh, it's not worth explaining. But he had props from the show that we'd given him from the night before. Uh, he wasn't the guy that night. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show. And uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted, and he was very complimentary about my use of language and... Um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon pocket edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New just part of the New Testament little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. 
I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane. I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive, and he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. So a guy who's an atheist was impacted because somebody handed him a Bible, because somebody was saying, come and see. Now, even though that Penn doesn't understand that Psalm is Old Testament and the New Testament is different, and he kind of says it all broken up, and even though I don't believe people hate people because they don't tell others about Christ, that's his perception. How could you be a follower and not tell people about it if you believe everlasting life awaits them? So you never underestimate the power of saying those three words, come and see. It changed Peter's life. It changed Nathaniel's life because they said, they had said to them, come and see. Because you don't know what's going on behind the scenes in people's life. You don't know where that, where that episode that he had with this guy that had him in Bible, you don't know where that's going to lead. And you don't know where it's going to lead when you say, come and see. If you had met me one day before I said, I want to follow Christ, you would have said, I don't think he's interested. But somebody looked past that and they, they said, hey, come and see. See, come and see living is what connects people with God. So don't be a Christian atheist. Tell people about it. Simple words. Simple words, if we believe in this place called heaven and this everlasting life with God, and we believe Christ has the answer, then we should be saying, come and see. So here's what I have for you. For this week, if you didn't hear anything else that I said, write these words down, come and see challenge. Because this week, you're going to cross paths with somebody, and I guarantee you're going to hear somebody talking about worry. Somebody at work, somebody at school, they're going to talk about something they're worrying about. And here's what you can say. Hey, come to my church with me next week and see this series that we got going on because next week is about 
I believe in God, but I worry all the time. It's a perfect, it's a perfect lead-in to saying, just come and see. All three of our sites, we're saying that today, and we're issuing that challenge for you to go out and say, come and see. And if you don't yet believe in Christ and you're still just checking this thing out, you can still say that. God's word is so powerful. And when people come and hear it, it doesn't matter who says come and see. Just tell people come and see and surprise us next week. Make me stand up here and say, oh my gosh, I think everybody said come and see. This is awesome. That's what I hope you do. And I hope those of you that follow Christ never pull back from looking at other people and saying, just come and see. Let's pray. God, thank you for this reminder that your plan to grow the church, to change people's lives, and to make a difference in the world is for us to tell others. God, give us the strength. Help us to move past any fears that we have. And just say to people this week, especially those that are sitting in their seat right now that know the person they want to say, come and see too. God, I pray that people walk in our doors the first time next week and are blown away by what you have to say about worry. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.